Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch Up, a handy summary of the week's news from Sixfields. We also have a chat with Guardian sports journalist and big late in Orient fan Tom Davies, ahead of Saturday's crunch match at Brisbane Road. So listen out for that. I'm Tom Reed and this week I'm joined by Brendan Walsh, James Averill and Northampton Town Supporters Trust board member Keith Buckby. How are you doing guys? You alright? Good, thanks man. Good stuff, Brendan. Let's go to you first. So we had uh, James Averill's Las Vegas diary, which went down an absolute storm. <laughs> especially with the band hookers and blow, which have just booked out every week now. Uh, <laughs> and that, now we're moving on to Brendan Walsh's Stag Party Adventures. I can imagine that as a Hollywood film, a.k.a. Hanging in Hamburg. How did you go, uh, Brendan? Yeah, it was, it was so good, man. It was very, uh, like, stereotypical. I, like, I'm just looking forward to the wedding now. And, uh, yeah, I just felt very wholesome, very good. There was a good mix of lads there. Saw some football. Saw a lot of uh, normal stag things. Yeah, it was it was really really good, man. Did you uh, over overdo it on like um, you know good German beer, uh, kebabs, that oh, sort of thing? Definitely. That, I mean, that was a running joke. It, every if, if you've ever been to Hamburg, the main bit to go out is the Reaper Barn, um, and if it's not a pub or, or a bar, it's a um, a German donut box place. Yeah, and it's a, a bit like a tikka masala is from Birmingham, even though it, it's it's a curry. A German donut box is 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 a german thing like with with the turkish that went over there and yeah nobody ate anything other than german donabox for like three days so it was just like beers football and kebabs for like three or four days so couldn't ask for anything better to be honest could you yeah did you have a uh pie or a drink of astra the uh, local beer in uh, hamburg yeah we had some cherry I, I tried a little bit of everything i, I had matching but yeah definitely definitely had uh some astra i love a rattler when i'm over there if you if you're a uh, you're drinking, you know, a couple of days in a row. They do kind of, it's a bit like a shandy, but more posh, like a lemon beer. Yeah. Like normally about three or four percent. And some of those, like, you know, if you need to have an early pint just to take the edge off, a Rattler just goes down dangerously smooth. So, yeah, <laughs> I feel very good, but no more drinking now and, until the wedding, I'm afraid. So That's, that's what you say, Brendan. But um, it's what I say. We'll on, on, on Saturday, so that's not, that's not, yeah. let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> what game did you go to? It was HSV, wasn't it? Yeah, so when we initially looked at it a while ago, we were going to obviously try and get see a uh, St. Pauli game. Um, but the way the fixtures all turned out after we booked it, we ended up having to go see a Hamburg game. Which, but it's still like, it's an amazing stadium. The, the national yeah. team play a lot of games there and, and the ultras were just like, you know, nothing I've ever seen in England. And that's still the, the second division in, in Germany. So, um, yeah, we did get caught up with their ultras and some riot police in the... Uh, in the square at one point we were drinking in the middle and the, all the ultras were at the top kind of 
watching yeah. over everybody and then with the right police turn up at the bottom and everybody charged each other's glasses flying everywhere we all got rushed inside the pub but we thought it was like funny and entertaining but a few of the lads that are kind of not never been to a football match before were like is this what you do every week like, and we we're like you definitely you're not going to see this northampton barrow <laughs> this, season. Like, this is definitely like a, a european a german a german thing but yeah we went to go see um hamburg versus Karls, where i've probably butchered the pronunciation no, but that's pretty good pretty good yeah, yeah um the Volkspark stadion as it's yeah. called is um i'm not a massive fan of you know big big stadia and um you know they can be a little bit soulless but when you go to that particular stadium um i don't know how you got there but you can get go there on the like the u-bahn or the s-bahn mm. where you go on the, on the train and then when you get off there's all these sort of like bottle shops where you, people just drinking buying beers and stuff and there's obviously like pay, players you uh, places you can get a bratwurst and stuff or whatever but you sort of walk up to it and it is just this like behemoth stadium yeah. it's really quite uh sort of impressive and then they do have like standing behind the goals and stuff so it's got mm. something about it hasn't it i mean yeah germany just do football the way we all want it to be in this country to be honest like yeah you know we were obviously we were on a stack so we we were you know pretty pissed anyway but like we could still get a beer in the stadium and it, the a couple of our mates went into the the ultras bit where you stand behind the ground uh, yeah. behind the goals and like they they don't drink in there like they can if they want to and it's like yeah. if you trust football fans like well saying that the ultras that, that ran at the right place before the game but still but if you trust football fans inside a, a, a stadium, they will self-police. Like you don't need yeah. like six fields with about ten security firms for just for the north stand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, they just do it properly, and and it, the the whole stadium and experience and everything around it is. I've never had a bad one when I've been to a German game. So yeah, yeah it was a per- perfect thing to go do on the stag, and would fully fully recommend it to anyone. Oh, cool. I'm glad that you're going to have a hangover for about six months as well. Let's move on to the Cobblers. Things are looking up, literally, hopefully. Uh, two very good results over the Easter weekend with a 2-0 win at Oldham, followed by a 3-0 victory over Harrogate at Sixfields. Um, two of the so-called easier fixtures, but you can only really beat what's put in front of you. Um, James, it was a comfortable win in the end versus Harrogate side, who I don't think were terrible particularly, but obviously have a bad injury situation. What did you make of the uh, Harrogate win James yeah it was very comfortable it was like some of those home games we had before the turn of the year when we were winning them quite comfortably didn't look really threatened uh, and we actually created some chances I think that's been the positive out of the last two games I think me and you were chatting about we we think we've done a formation change but we can't quite work out (laughs) what it is quite but something's changed uh and and, you know a pyre a pier and hoskins seem to have quite a good uh, chemistry uh, based on the last uh, couple of games so yeah very positive on that front restricted you know two clean sheets I expect that of us now <laughs> to, to be honest uh, we, we're so good at that side of the game yeah really really good but, but they were they were results that we needed you know if if, if you're going to go up there are two games that you need to be looking at winning and uh, we've done that and we've put ourselves back in I thought it had gone uh, we've given ourselves another good chance of, of getting back in there with automatic promotion um three tough games in, in their own way uh, in that you know um could barrow be fighting for safety on the last day or are they pretty much safe now i don't know uh, i think there's about four points isn't it so 
that's going to be a tough game. Exeter, of course, you know, is tough because they're above us. So Saturday takes on a new importance uh, for me. Yeah. That's one we really do need to get three points from. And then yeah. if we do that, we've given ourselves a really good chance of yeah. going up automatically. And you would think we would have virtually secured a playoff place, you would think. Strange well, we'll move on to we'll move on to the sort of the run in in a bit, and you can have a little say on that. But um, yeah, a good good summary of the game off what really. We'll go to um over to you, Keith. Um, it's obviously with you win three 0 you're gonna be very pl- pleased with it. Just maybe uh, a slight word of caution going from Harrogate to Orient, maybe a bit of a different test. Yeah, an away game as well, I guess versus a, a home game. Um, I think it will it will be challenging, Orient. They looked really good at one point in the season, didn't they? They looked like they might do something, but they've they've just, just uh, seem to have lapsed into quite an average season. I see Harry Smith on the on the bench now. I don't know if he's been injured, but he started the season scoring quite freely, didn't he? And I thought, oh no, there's another one we've let go. But it seems to have dried up for the for the whole team. I mean, um, the game against um, Harrogate was really really enjoyable. Three 0 in the sunshine. You you can't really beat that it, it did look quite straightforward and I thought well actually is it be- is it better to watch is it better football there's probably quite a few games where we've created more clear-cut chances than that the difference was we we put them away and I was really pleased for Sam Hoskins um you know two really quite quite clinical finishes which which we just desperately need I think we've got to win every game now um and it starts at uh Late Orient on Saturday. It's my lad's 18th birthday on Saturday as well, so he wants an all day with his dad on his 18th. Um, and we'll, uh, we're off to London and we'll see we'll see how we get on. Brendan will give you some tips. I heard a rather <laughs> very good drink to have. You know, <laughs> for, a, for an 18 year old who who probably hasn't um, had many all dayers. I hope he hasn't had many all dayers anyway. <laughs> Has he had a German uh, yeah. Donner kebab before? <laughs> Not in Germany, I don't think. No. <laughs> you get you get a decent Turkish one in London somewhere. But, mm. um, Brendan, I know you couldn't get to the game because obviously you had the Hamburg thing going on and everything, but um, you you did, you know, you, you do take, keep an eye on things and stuff. And I was speaking to James before about the formation. James said it might be a 4-2-1-3 or, you know, the BBC had it down as a 4-4-2 with um, Epier out wide. Um, I guess it's it's good from attacking sense to see uh, Epier and Apare on, on the pitch at the same time, maybe two strikers when before we'd, we'd only ever had one, Brendan? Yeah, and uh, to be honest, uh, I, I did watch the game on Monday on, on iFollow. I, I think um, we said it the, the last time I was, I was on the podcast, Apare, there's definitely a player there, but he benef- he's not a player to play on, him, off, on, on his own. He yeah. needs someone to play off. I didn't know if that was Apier or not, but... Um, he, they, they worked really well. Um, I think he, he got the assist for the first goal, and, and it was his through ball for for Hoskins on the third as well. Um, and he was he was finding little pockets, and he's he, he's not like uh, some of the hold up players we've had before in a traditional sense. He just he buzzes and picks up off a lot of loose pieces, and he's got decent pace. So I don't know if like that's the long term solution, you know, like next season and beyond, but. Yeah. Um, him playing off Appia, but I, I definitely think he needs to be in a two. I, d- I didn't quite catch the formation on on Saturday, but I do think that's that's actually a good thing. I think it was a little bit more fluid, like we said, we had mm. Hoskins coming through for the for the third uh, as the last man. You had Appare, you know, chasing and being a nuisance on their back pass for the second, and then um, Appia and uh, Ep- it's getting hard saying it. Appia and Epere, Epere. jeez. 
uh, potato, linking potato. up to, to find kind of Hoskins <laughs> arriving on the first. So, yeah, the, the best front threes, the best attacks in the world all interchange and, and, and move and have that freedom. And um, when, you, when you've got the solid base and defence and, and the work rate that we all have, there's no reason why they can't, you know, move around a bit and swap and pick up for each other. All three of those players work hard without the ball and go back and chase and press and stuff. So there's no reason why why that can't continue. Um, mm. I, I, to be honest, you know, I'd like to see the same team again. No changes for the weekend. And I can't. It's not been too many times this season I've said that. Yeah, and that's going to be a bit of a litmus test, really, because. If you're if you're confident and you're really going to go try and just go for the win, I guess the, the temptation will be to keep a unchanged side. But then when you start looking at the other team and their strengths, you know maybe with John Brady he might be a bit more conservative and, and maybe fall back again. We'll, we'll see because a point wouldn't be massive um, bad result on, on Saturday, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but goal one and goal three on uh, the um, Harrogate were a combination of all three of those forward players we talked about, Appiah, Epiah and Hoskins. Um, the third one, I think Epiah steals the ball in the cobbler's half, uh, some good technique, keeps the ball, feeds Apare, uh, uh, what's his name again? Apare, yeah, and he uh, <laughs> slots. Appiah, Epiah, we're struggling with this, and uh, good good luck to um, Tim Oglethorpe uh, with that one. Uh, <laughs> Apare, he, and it was a really nice, well-weighted through ball for... Um, Sam Hoskins, who finishes well with his left foot. It's just a nice goal to watch, isn't it? And for them, all three of those people to be uh, sort of involved, James. Yeah, and like Brendan said, there was a chemistry between the, between the three. And the pass, you know, we've mentioned about Apire having, you know, been pretty good in most aspects of his game, apart from his finishing, really, which is not ideal for a striker. But then again, he's not he's not really a traditional striker in that sense. I don't know if we're trying to mold him into that. I don't know if that's the long planned game with him, um, you know, but the, certainly the pass through for, for, from a PRA for the third goal was, was sensational. It was, you know, absolutely perfect. And, um, you know, very neatly tucked away by Sam for his 51st goal for us. And yeah, you know, I've, I've been, I've been impressed with a PRA and all that was missing was that, that final touch and you know he, he obviously got the goal against Oldham you know when he when, you know on, the, on that Friday game he got the first one disallowed and you just think oh is it ever going to drop for him and then you know he got in but then just said just after he scored he goes through one-on-one and misses an absolute sitter and you're just thinking ah that's when you kind of just needed mm-hmm. to you thought he was going to be on that run and he was going to confidently tuck it away so it's just showing that his confidence is clearly up but there's still work to do on his finishing I'm sure yeah. you know they're going to have a pre-season for that like you know, it's been alluded to. He's he's a signing for the future. I think they're going to put some serious work in on his finishing in the summer. I would think, and if he can add finishing to his game, we've got a really good player on our hands uh, because he does a lot of the other aspects of his game really well. Hmm. Uh, even if we, even if we can't hone that finishing, I, I to me finishing is, is some somewhat of an innate skill. It's you, you see a lethal finisher, and it's sometimes they're not even the best player, but they just just got to have that knack. So that might not be something we can coach into him, but he definitely looks like a progressive player that can hopefully go and play higher with, with Northampton, hopefully. And just um, a good signing, I think, in terms of that progressive profile. So, um, yeah, he just was good to watch on, uh, against Harrogate. Um, so, yeah, a 3-0 win. Um, uh, I think it was 21 clean sheets for the season. Now, that's mm. more clean sheets than the Ritz Hotel laundry. Uh, pretty amazing, really, uh, Keith. 
it's incredible and you know I, I still mourn um about you know the thought of having had Liam Roberts in goal last season <laughs> because we would have been comfortably in league one um obviously it helps when you've got a decent defense in front of you we've got two really good center backs I, I really hope we can keep them I think there'll be a lot of interest in both of them uh, at the end of towards the end of the season there might be already but you, you also can't fault Roberts because whilst he has got those solid defenders in front of him you know the number of um, excellent stops he's still had to make is you know, I, I haven't seen a, a keeper have a season like that probably since since Smith probably maybe even better than Smith's season with us Mm, it just seems maybe I'm not more level-headed than, than Smith. Obviously, Smith made a bit of a mistake at that trip to Thailand. You, you're never going to uh, live that down. But it just seems a fairly level-headed character and uh, a good fit for the team, um, Robert the keeper. So um, really important that we try and keep him. I've heard there's rumours of uh, interest yeah, we've... by divisions. But, you know, they're bound to be, and that's a good thing. The only bad thing is, I think he's... Uh, Brendan, am I right? He's out of contract? Yeah, he's, he's out of contract. I, I said this to... I mate recently like I think with keepers especially definitely and underneath the Premier League sometimes even higher than that like it it's their confidence creatures and like Johnny Maxted I would have said on paper might have been the number one he was he was I always rated him when he was at Exeter and it, it's funny it's a funny game isn't it like he obviously was lost the battle over pre-season for the shirt he got brought in on that Carling Cup game against uh Wimbledon and, and dropped an absolute dolly between his legs in, in injury time and we lost the game and then you know he's nowhere to be seen and I think and then Roberts I think uh, you know so many people talk about his um that that Walsall told us he was a dud and like poppadom rests and all this and and then he, he puts in a couple of good saves a couple of good matches and then he's got it in his head now that he's loved here because the fans love that you know he wasn't rated at Walsall and he's been the probably the best keeper in the league this season I would say uh, he, he even showed it again on, on Saturday, you know, 3-0 cruising to a win. And I remember there was a headed, like, it was an incredible save, like, really low down to his to his left, scooped it out. Like, you know, even in the games where you win, you're winning comfortably, you're still switched on and ready to make those saves. A sign, sign of a top, top key for that. And, yeah, yeah uh, you know, it could, it, all it takes is dropping a cross on, on, your, on your debut or, or doing what Maxter did. And, you know, and suddenly the fans are, on your back and don't rate you and you see it on social media, you hear the groans in the crowd and you lose your confidence and you're not concentrating. And I think keepers more than almost any other position. So, you know, that you can have a keeper come from, it's very hard to scout them and say one any better than any other. And until they get in and you see how they fit the, the dressing room and, and, yeah. and the club and he's, he's taking to Northampton like a, like a duck to water. So mm. you'd hope he notices that and goes, Oh, you know, I've got something good here. I'm loved. I'm yeah. confident I'll give Cobbers a bit more time. Well, Adam then, Smith is a, a great example. I, I honestly Chris thought he would be signed. pushing like a £1 million transfer and then his career really hasn't panned out that great. So that looking to Cobbers coaches, you yeah. just show him that. Um, I, I won't have it said that um, Robbo is a, a poppadon wrist. I think he's like more like a well, well-cooked, well you know, tandoori chicken. Solid, solid <laughs> wrist. I, would, I, I mean, any keeper, again, underneath the Prem, whenever, whenever we've had a decent player, I always look at like, right, what's the thing that's holding them back from going and being a top level player? We just said Apare, like, you know, if he could finish, he probably wouldn't be playing for, for Northampton in League Two. And yeah. uh, and when it's come to keepers, like, uh, for controversially, I quite liked Dyke Cornell, but he's rubbish under a long shot. Yeah. Um, that was his big weakness. I, I look at Robbo and I couldn't, I mean, maybe he's not, with the ball at his feet, he might not be able to go play in the, in the Prem somewhere, but 
is all the other technical aspects of a goalkeeper command of area aerial ability one-on-ones shot stopping he's brilliant like he's got a good frame on him mm. i can't can't really find a weakness with him so he might think you know i'm, I'm at a good age um i took a shot on northampton and i've earned a, a high move but like you said adam smith left for bristol rovers and, and and never did anything you can have it in reverse like Nick Pope got signed for Burnley as a, as a backup from League One Charlton, and and you know he's knocking on the door of of going to the World Cup now at the end of the year. So that you never you he can did, never tell with keepers they're, they're a strange breed. I, I hope he gives us a bit more time. But um, and then we do we do have to caveat with the fact obviously he's absolutely terrible and any clubs interested in him just is offered on wrist. I take it all back. And if you guys I hate him so. <laughs> but yeah, I just um, he's done he's done pretty good. It's great to be joined by Tom Davis, sports journalist and member of the Orient uh, Fans Trust, long-standing O. How are you doing, Tom? You okay? Uh, not too bad, yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to the game. It looks like the, uh, the Orient's form has taken a bit of an uptick. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. It's kind of quite weird that the season is sort of ending too early for, um, for us, really, because we started to enjoy our football again the last month or so um, after a horrific mid-winter period where we couldn't, you know, we look like the worst team in England, to be honest. But, um, yeah, Wellens, Richie Wellens has really um, made a difference. Yeah, I looked at your league position and I, 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 I covered the fans' protest back in probably a couple of years ago now, Bacchetti, and things were really dire then. And um, obviously, Orient fans were looking, probably looking forward to maybe a little bit of a better season this this year. 13th place, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not great, but um, you like you said, you're looking up a little bit now, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back at the season in general, it's been a, a kind of wasted opportunity because we're quite a well-resourced squad. Um, we had, we did, we were playing well before Christmas. Um, then kind of Kenny Jacket completely kind of ran out of steam, and we had this disastrous run in January and February. Um, and then we looked like you know promotion chasing team again recently. So it's kind of like this this season should have been better. Um, but at least there's a bit more optimism back now about next season. Yeah, looking looking forward to next season. What do you think sort of went wrong with Jackie? Because he didn't do great guns at Orient. Obviously, I think it's at Millwall before that. He's, he's, it just seems maybe his it's, it's stars on the wane a little bit. I don't know. I think it's, I've got a bit of a theory that generally managers have a sell-by date, both in terms of what their style's like and, and at certain clubs. And I think Jackie's probably one or two clubs past his best if you like so um, I mean we looked good earlier in the season he, he kind of looked quite a well-drilled squad we were playing you know scoring some good goals scoring quite a lot um, but when things started to go wrong when we had injuries uh, we had a long Covid break and things like that over Christmas um, it didn't really seem to have a, be able to get a response um, I mean he wasn't happy I think with the underwhelming sort of went January transfer signings but there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't, he didn't have, to have a plan B, he didn't really seem to be, able, it didn't seem like there was a great morale within the squad by the time he left. Um, so that seemed like a hasty sacking after eight months, it, it probably made sense. Yeah, yeah. Maybe with, um, you know, Orient fans are having a little bit more expectations now about, um, you know, what, what a season's going to look like and, and, you know, what football's going to look like and stuff that maybe they just run his course there. And um, Richie Wellens came in and, well, according to the results, he's, he's doing pretty well. So a really good win at Swindon, 2-1. That's a, that's a, that's a great result, really. 3-0 uh, win, beat Scunthorpe. You know, that's no great shakes, but it's still, still a 3-0 win. Um, close 1-0 defeat to Sutton. So the recent form, yeah, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing um, Wellensley's Swindon side a couple of years ago when he, he took them up. Uh, I think it was the season pandemic, kind of truncated season, and they looked some real class above that season. The, the way they played, they had a much you know superior style and sort of class to, to anyone else. I saw that year. Um, so I was pretty excited about the appointment, and so far it seems to have um, uh, borne out really. I mean, I think the winner Swindon are particularly single out because we were down to ten men for about seventy minutes of it, um, and we kind of it wasn't really a rearguard action. We had to defend a lot, but it was just a very kind of astute um, readjustment that he made after after we went down to ten men, and we looked in control of the game even even when we were under pressure. And who who scored for you against Swindon? I I, I, I see little snippets on Twitter. Um, apparently, uh, you know, was it one of one? Who scored? Who, who scored the goals? It was uh, my central defender, Omar Beckles, who's a yeah. solid, yeah, solid defender. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he got a couple. He, he got a few goals earlier in the season, but he, yeah, he, he, the first one was a header, and the second one was kind of um, close range finish from uh, a long throw. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's another one of the players who's actually been revitalised under Wellens. Actually, he kind of looked a bit creaky um, for a while during our slump, but he's um, he's looking commanding again, and he's yeah, and he's a, a valuable part of the team. Yeah, obviously, it always helps, and it is really important for Northampton that you can you mix a bit of the better play with some you know set pieces and you know the odd goal from defenders and stuff. That's what we do especially well. Um, do you who who would you say the players to watch out for um, for Orient now? Um, from an attacking point of view, I mean, I'm not quite sure what, I mean, Wellens has been experimenting with lineups a lot, so we've, he's been switching his teams around quite a lot. It's almost like he's trying out the next season, really. Um, I mean, from an attacking point of view, um, Raul Sotirio has um, sort of short, small, you know, small but lively uh, forward and very good finisher is, um, is on form at the moment. Um, Paul Smith um, has been playing a sort of number 10 role has suddenly really come alive under Wellens. Um, if he's if he's playing, he's he's a danger man. Um, yeah. at, I mean, at the back, um, our, our, our main back two of Shadrach Ogi and, and Beckles um, are back on form again. I mean, I think there is there are goals to be scored against us. We do we don't look always um, impregnable, um, but our keeper Lars Vigor is in pretty good form as well, and probably one of the best keepers in the division. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier on, it's not an underfinanced squad and maybe slightly underperforming. So it'd be an interesting game on Saturday. Northampton are looking at the playoffs, so you know, possibly even higher than that. Hopefully, with you know automatic promotion, um, we you know played a couple of weaker side recently, so it's going to be really interesting to play a team that's just you know, looking up, slightly buoyant. Um, I saw that Richie Wellens mentioned us in his team talk actually, saying that you know we want to be. Going toe to toe with the likes of Northampton and whoever else, Tranmere, rather than just being you know down in thirteenth. So um, that'd be interesting. Do you reckon Orient are going to go into it with with confidence, just trying to you know nothing to lose, I guess. Um, yeah, we've got nothing to lose. I mean, there's still teams always will have a temptation to be a little bit on the beach when they're not got anything to play for. So I'll, yeah. you can't rule out that we might put in a more relaxed performance after quite a strenuous one in Swindon. Um, and obviously Northampton are after I gather you sold your sold your allocation out and things like that. So yeah, I imagine yeah. it's gonna be you'll be quite fired up, Northampton will be pretty fired up mm. for it. Um hopefully, uh, best case scenario from my point of view is that we respond to that and, and give you a good proper game. It it can go either way, can't it? It could be that you're slightly on the beach and I don't know if he's if he's if he's told people that might not be there next season or he's he's given indications about 
what his squad's going to look like early next season or early in the you know in the preseason. But um, you know, it could go the other way that you're just quite relaxed and we're quite stressed and um, sort of the pressure's on us. And then sometimes that can play into your hands. So it's going to be interesting. It just should be a good sporting occasion. We sold out our um, allocation. We've been quite a few down. Hopefully, we'll get a few more tickets because there's just loads of people after tickets. So we'll see what happens with that one. But um, yeah, just. Hopefully a nice day and some good football. In terms of tactics for Orient, Wellens hasn't been there a huge amount of time. Has he got any settled tactics or is it likely to be quite fluid? Um, well, he's probably quite fluid because he's, you know, he's mixed and matched at each game, really. So he's kind of, there's a lot of players out of contract. So he's clearly trying, um, at the end of this season, he's clearly trying people out and trying and seeing what he thinks of them in different situations. Yeah. I mean, we tend to be going with a kind of front three, really. We've got... Um, uh, Aaron Drennan, uh, Soteriu or Harry Smith and um, Theo Archibald is kind of a winger but he's kind of quite often played as, as quite far forward um, of late um, and obviously uh, Paul Smith in a number 10 sort of soccer role behind um, so we, it's quite positive we should be yeah, we should be trying Paul Smith should Paul Smith should be just be making suits. I think that's uh, he's better off as a fashion designer rather than a football player. I, yeah. I, <laughs> but Harry Smith, we know all about. Obviously, a giant of a player and used to be with us. Um, didn't really do it with us, but I think we all sort of knew he had it in him to be a good player and just, just a real handful, isn't he, on his day? Yeah, he's a, he's a funny one actually. Because at the start of the season, he was really on some and he was scoring every week and he was top, top of the league two charts I think, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, during us, during us slumping form, he was one of the players who slumped the most and mm. really looked completely off it. To be honest, um, he hasn't quite got back to that pre-Christmas best, um, and he's obviously not been he's been in and out of the team quite um, so far under when So maybe he's not completely sold on him yet. Um, but I want at least some action on on Saturday. Yeah, Northampton. I think he was quite open about some off-the-field stuff and he's known as quite a confidence player despite being a, a bit of a lump. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me that when form did go downhill a little bit that he maybe lost a bit of confidence. But yeah, he's just it's just that presence. You could throw him in any game and he, he might do something. So we'll keep an eye out for him. Uh, yeah, so you reckon about you reckon 4-3-3, that might be quite interesting because if you sort of come at us a little bit, oh, the last game we were quite attacking on the front foot, I'd be... Interested to see if our manager John Brady goes with a bit more defensive, try and contain you a little bit. Have you got any any fast wingers out there? They always seem to worry us. Um, yeah, well, Archibald can play uh, can play like a winger. Um, yeah, you know, he, he attacks on the flanks, and I mean, our, probably our best wide player, and unfortunately, he's been injured since um, Christmas. Tom James, he's a sort of um, wing back, well, right back, right back slash wing back, and he did a lot of good work out in wide positions before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been playing with more width lately, so that's, yeah, a point of hope for us, I guess. What about central midfield? Because we've had a couple of injuries in, in central midfield. We've got a guy back called Sean McWilliams, who's a bit of a talisman for Northampton, homegrown guy. Uh, but we're still slightly patchy in midfield. Have you got have you got a strong central midfield, or how does that um, work? I would say ditto. We've got a slightly patchy central midfield as well. Mm. So it's an area that we need to strengthen. Yeah. Um, Craig Clay, who was our, probably our most consistent midfielder before Christmas, he's another one who's been, like, been out long-term injured. Um, and we've kind of not looked that short, sort of short in those positions. Um, Darren Prattley, our captain, who's obviously vastly experienced, as yeah. um, another one who's regained his form after it's slumping quite alarmingly. Yeah. Uh, and Hector Kipriano, who's a sort of younger, homegrown midfielder alongside him, who got sent off at Swindon. 
hasn't completely convinced people yet. He kind of can look a bit lightweight. He can pass the ball nicely, but um, not quite sure about him. I think that's, I mean, I would say central midfield is our weak point too. Um, so there could be pickings for you there in terms of getting getting a, a stronghold in that area and um, building on that. You've got some good names in your squad. Hector uh, Kipriani. Uh, <laughs> you've got some good names. We've there. got two um, Cypriot background um, players because Soteria, yeah, well, Soteria is another one. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's a reasonably reasonable sized Cypriot community in sort of North London. So yeah. Ah, fair play. Tell us a little bit about the owner, the owners, because as we talked about before the show, that I was down there for the demonstrations against Paketti, which got really pretty um, tasty towards the end. Um, it was seen as a bit of a celebration when Nigel Travis uh, came sort of co-ownership and uh, he just seemed to steady the ship a bit. Are you, are you still on that Nigel Travis boat in terms of where the club's going? I think broadly speaking, yeah. I mean, we have got um, above averagely good owners um, for, for, for a, a club in any division, to be honest. I mean, like, They've supported the um, the Tracy Crouch reforms and the proposed regulation, um, independent regulator and stuff like that, which is yeah. quite a rare thing still. Um, I mean, they're kind of business. I mean, they're kind of commercial business people, so they've got their eye on on revenue opportunities. So they, they won't they won't be shy of trying to sell you things from a commercial point of view. Um, and so there's been there's been the odd misstep, but in general, they're approachable. They're pretty dynamic. Um, and yeah, there's, there's some complaints along the way. They've made a few yeah, missteps, but um, I mean, it's a, such a vast improvement. It, and it's transformed. I mean, their presence has certainly helped to transform the atmosphere around the club more generally. Um, yeah. Our crowd has gone up. Mm. Uh, the atmosphere is fairly buoyant most of the time. Um, there is a kind of, yeah, there's, there's been a new spirit since they took over, really. I mean, I think crises are really good sometimes for clubs in terms of galvanising people. And once we had that takeover and got out of um, that crisis, which had sort of, you know, taken a lot out of people. Um, there was that kind of, you know, the gates went up and, and there was a sort of new enthusiasm. Mm. And so uh, I was speaking to some AFC Wimbledon fans and I see it at sort of a couple of clubs that have made real ground off the pitch that sometimes if you're in a little bit of bad run of form, people lose the faith a little bit in terms of what the owners are doing or, you know, what how AFC Wimbledon is structured or whatever and it just uh, I think fans just need a little bit of patience really because uh, Orion we're never going to go up to League One straight away we'll never you know sometimes it takes you you know two three four five years to try and get that sort of bedrock together so um, yeah it's just fans just are impatient in general aren't they yeah I mean I mean, I can say some, some of the criticisms that our owners have had this season some of which have been valid I mean in terms of they're still learning the game a bit in terms of some of their football decisions. I mean, the, yeah. manage, the way in which managers and players have been recruited and the role of Martin Ling as um, um, director of football have been scrutinised and criticised, not without some reason. But yeah. I don't think it's a call to throw the baby out of the bathwater in terms of how the club's run generally. And I think that's, a, that's a certainly from looking at Wimbledon, from example, from afar. You kind of think, yeah, you've had a bad season on the pitch, but... You don't want to throw away what you've got and what you've achieved because that's that's what it's based on. That's what it's rooted on. Exactly. Uh, and form comes and goes. I just said I said that to the Wimbledon fans I was speaking to. Form comes and goes, but what you're what you're building there and the stability and everything is really important, and uh, it will bear fruit sort of eventually. Um, so Orient as an away day. I've, I've been a few times. Obviously, I've covered uh, various games down there. Um, 
Can you recommend any pubs for Northampton fans to, to go to? I know there's a few around there. Um, well, the, um, the, uh, if you go down the high road, you've got the, um, the Coach and Horses, which is the nearest to the ground, which is usually gets quite busy with the wave band and has, and has improved and had a, bit of a, had a bit of a redo in the last year or so. Um, and there's the... Um, the te- there's a technical, isn't there? Some of my friends they want to go to, but I don't know if that's a home pub. But I mean, also, sorry, what's that? The technical on the on Leighton High Road. Yeah, the main technical is quite good for beer and stuff. It's yeah. just a decent um, kind of ale place. Yeah. Um, I haven't been there for a bit actually because I, I normally tend to go in our own supporters club, which is a kind of award winning, kind of award winning place, which has got a whole range of really nice beers. But it's obviously it's um, you have to you have to pay if you're a non-member. Um, yeah. It gets quite crowded, um, but it's it's worth it if you're if you're a beer aficionado. The North Coast, um in Grove Green Road, which is about ten minute walk from the ground, is quite good as well. It's it's, it's, got, it's got a little bit of a, an outside area, and it's, yeah, you'll get a decent spattering of um, football people in there. And before okay. The game. Okay, that sounds good. I've uh, I went in the uh, supporters club when all the demonstrations were on. It's on the side of the ground, is it? And it's yeah, it's yeah, quite. It's right, right entrance by the elm on the west end um, opposite where the away fans are so it's kind yeah. of opposite corner almost from where you are but yeah it's quite small in there I see anything <laughs> it's not, well, not, the, not the biggest place but yeah it's quite um, good good atmosphere in there yeah yeah I mean it's friendly it'll be fine yeah, in that regard but yeah. it will get it will I suspect be very crowded particularly if it's a nice day and yeah there's a big crowd which there should be hopefully fair play what, what sort of gate are you expecting if we bring in like I think it's twelve hundred. What sort of gate would you reckon it might be? Um, I think I mean, that could that if that's twelve hundred or more Northampton, that could prop, could push it over six thousand. If not, I'd probably be looking at around sort maybe five and a half, something like that. It depends, obviously, because nothing at stake for us. Yeah. Not gonna, people, I think it's a good sort of game people go to if it's a nice day and yeah. Yeah. Same same with us. We get about five and a half thousand. It's probably a sort of clash of two fairly sized clubs. Um. Uh. What about a score prediction? Are you going to stick your neck out? Actually, I mean, I'm a notorious pessimist, so I never I tend to not predict us to win very often. Um, but it could be like a tasty one or two or something like that, perhaps. Yeah, I need to look properly at the permutations for our promotion. I think oh, we want to win, or we want to win, and we want to try and get an automatic. So I've got to be go for it. Um, I am slightly, uh, what's the word? Uh, Press is sort of aware of the fact that you could be, uh, you know, fairly relaxed. You know, in your style of play and stuff, and just maybe cash on the break a bit. So I'll, I'll go two one Northampton just to be uh, you know just to be confident about it. But we, we, we we'll see, I guess. Um, yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. It's always good to hear um, from you know Orient fans, and I'm really pleased to sort of hear that things are a lot better than it was back when you know the pitch got stormed and stuff like that, and it got a bit um, yeah it got a bit tasty. So um, thanks a lot, and I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, mate. Let's go through a couple of bits of cobbler's news. We're just going to put that in this uh, podcast going forward. Just a couple of bits of news I picked out. Um, I did chuckle. I didn't chuckle at this one because I don't like laugh at anyone's misfortune, but I just knew that Brendan will have a little word on it. Uh, Paul Lewis out for the rest of the season with a broken foot. Uh, fifth metatarsal has been broken. Now, I've broken my second metatarsal and I barely felt it, but when that fifth metatarsal goes, Brendan, oh, baby, that's pain. <laughs> I hope so. No, I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I, I mean... It's we've clearly not missed him in the games that he's he's been gone, have we? Like it, I, I'm, he's trying and he's he's got some goals this season and it's it's become a bit of a joke, like how how much everybody, not just myself, you know, doesn't rate them. But um, 
McWilliams return to the squad couldn't be better timed, really, could it? And mm. interesting when we named that midfield the last two games, five goals, two clean sheets, six points. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Lewis, Lewis needed a bit of a rest out the team. He got rested for like one game. And I can't remember which one it was, but I think we did pretty well. And then there were some injuries and he ended up being back in, not on merit, but because we had no one else. So, yeah, like you never want to wish an injury on a player. But if it's what we need to get him out the side for whatever Brady season in, then I'm, it's a silver line. And I'm just kind of like, OK, good. We'll, we'll sort him out in, in pre-season and see what's what. Yeah, and it's only a broken toe. He'll be back soon enough. Um, <laughs> but we have to, have to counter balance that with, um, I'll bring James in quickly on this one. Um, the, uh, Bezla Baller has been in the squad for the past two games and uh, John Brady said in the Chronicle today that it was actually a selection decision. Um, it just seems a, a little odd because you're quite a fan of his, aren't you, James? That he's not really... Um, he looks like a guy who hadn't played football for a year, yeah. in, in mm. my view. You can tell there's ability there. Mm. Uh, I, I can't say I disagree and I can't say he's really done anything to justify being in the squad, if I'm honest. So I, 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 I think Brady was well within his rights to make that decision um it was it was a kind of it felt like a gamble at the time you know he's clearly got pedigree at this level from from before it's not quite clear he's clearly kind of i don't think match fit at the moment there is a player there yeah we're not seeing it at at the moment and i think you know fair enough when you consider how long he was out of the game so you know we're at this position of the season where we can't kind of keep blooding players for fitness and hoping that they come good they need to be yeah. producing at the moment Apaya has you know come in despite having injury problems and and, and produced you know and, and looked mm. a threat and that's why he's he's starting so uh yeah I I can't really say that you know that the decision is, is wrong I don't think Lubal has done anything to justify being in the squad at the moment that's not a criticism I just think it's a reality of where he is uh, in his career at the moment, and I think he'll need a good pre-season to kind of get back to the levels where he previously was. But a useful player, I think, if we get, do get into the playoffs, you know, if we do touch wood, get to Wembley or something, the sort of player that you can bring off the bench if you need to, and he has got something about him, so I don't think, hopefully, a season's not done yet. Um, let's quickly um, talk about the Wallach player of the season voting. Uh, put four players up for Wallach player of the season, uh, vote in no particular order. Mitch Pinnock, Fraser Horsfall, Liam Roberts and Ali Koki. The runaway winner was 74% of the votes was Liam Roberts. We talked about him quite a lot. Um, you know, what more can you say about the bloke? Slide as a rock and be lucky to keep him at the club. Let's bring Keith in quickly on the, you know, a bit of the off-field stuff. We just don't really want to talk about it too much because, uh, you know, it's so, so good to talk about the, the wins and stuff, but there was a sort of an important thing that the supporters trust voted. In fact, I need to phrase this properly. The supporters trust membership voted to invoke the ACV on the athletics track. Um, if you're not au fait with this whole situation and, you know, fair play if you're not, um, yeah, you, you just do a bit of reading online, but there is an asset of community value held on the running track at Sixfields and uh, it's obviously quite important and the trust put it out to vote and the members voted to invoke it um Keith can you explain in layman's terms the situation and why the trust put it out to its members yeah um well why we put it out to the members was we felt it was it was really quite a big decision and we've not been surprised that it's led to people expressing frustration anger um you know what are the trusts doing etc completely understand that because a lot of people thought we were on the verge of you know signing the deal to have the east stand completed and that's what 
97.67% was it who voted said they wanted um I think pretty much everybody I know on the trust board also wants the east stand completed the problem we had as I say was was one of timing so the the mantra that uh Jonathan Nunn the leader of West North Ants council has 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 put out including in a public meeting we held probably a couple of years ago now was that it would be stand before land so this east stand would have to be completed by the owners of the football club before they could get their hands on you know we assumed all the way through this any of the land so not just the asset of community value stadium footprint old athletics track but the 17 odd additional acres that stretches off towards uh, the rugby rugby ground um so it t it turns out when we when we have the announcement the deal's been agreed you start to look at the detail and the, and the heads of terms which are which are published and the council meeting minutes from i think it was a meeting on the 8th of march do not include stand before land um in the way that we understood it to be the only piece of land that the council can reacquire from cdnl or the club people say they're one and the same thing they they might be for a pound if the east stand wasn't completed after five years is just the athletics stadium land so that does obviously leave things wide open for 17 acres of, of land we we don't know the value but you know there seems to have been a bit of a last minute bidding war over it so we've got to assume it's got some commercial value and some profit potential you could have a scenario where five years later yes west northamptonshire council reacquires the athletics uh, stadium former athletics stadium land for a pound but in the meantime 17 acres has disappeared and lordy knows what might have happened to the money from that so we felt like obviously we, we only we had a deadline of Wednesday the 13th of April to invoke you know the the right to attempt to bid um to place a bid for the for that piece of land and the ACV actually covers the whole stadium footprint plus plus the art athletics track we're only interested in the athletics track and the reason we're doing it is because because basically you know it's it's probably the only thing we can do to try and get stand before land back on the agenda um but having said that we, you know, we're starting to have some really quite interesting discussions about, OK, let's say we did end up with this land. What 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 could be done with it? Um, you know, what 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 could happen? So, yeah. you know, it's been said we don't have a plan. We don't have a plan because it's had to happen very quickly, but we are planning. What's been very interesting to me is that. If I was the owner of the club or maybe even the leader of West Northamptonshire Council. And we we wanted to stand by the principle of stand before land. Why is why has nobody yet come to the trust and said, well, what if we work hard now for, you know, a couple of weeks and we flesh out this this agreement and it really is stand before land? Mm. Nobody's nobody's come and said that. So it, it appears that from my simple way of thinking. The club would rather say, oh, this is going to delay things by six months than actually say, well, let's let's get the deal in, in the same terms that everybody. Well, I thought everybody understood it to be. Mm. And that that to me is just a little bit of a. It's a little bit of a warning sign, if I'm honest. Yeah, so yeah, that, that that explains it pretty clearly. It feels I can I can under, quite quite understand why certain fans are upset about it and so can um, I Tom. Yeah, completely. and uh, no one really wants to delay in anything because the whole thing has been beset by delays and the whole thing. And in fact, the word delay is just a bit of a poisonous word and it's because it just brings back um you know alludes to the, the delays that go all the way back um james isn't it didn't you when did you say that the um work stopped 
on or, or the roof was taken off the east stand. It was really far back, wasn't it? So it was the last. I remember the last game of the 2013-14 season. I think the stand yeah. was off. Yeah. So that's that's the that's, end of that season. Long time ago. Yeah. 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 It is. Especially when you've got Spurs' whole stadium built in that time, and various other stadiums around around Europe, really, like a massive stadium being built. So we're still arguing about a, you know, a fairly small stand. That's it, it, it's very frustrating for everyone. I can I can quite see it. I, just my own opinion is that it's been going back since you know that date that, that James mentioned. Six months, I don't think is going to be a massive issue in reality um compared to you know the time that's passed and the potential to get it finished um it's just it's just a difficult situation and i i can see why people get frustrated and i can see why um, people get upset but it sort of falls back to what myself and james have talked about in the past that the trust is a democratic members organization and we looked we saw back in 2015-16 when you know the late Brian Lomax was saying we you need to join the trust you know the trust is really important in in you know protecting the future for the club and it's been no secret that you you really do need to join the trust to be um you know part of its votes just like you need to register to vote to have a vote in an election and it it just feels for, for me that a lot of people have not joined in the process of the trust which is democratic and now something's happened that, that so a lot of people are kicking off about it when they've missed that oppor- long-standing opportunity. Do you know my frustration with that, James? It just it goes to the sort of whole credence of the, you know, the whole, you know, um, essence of the trust. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, and I can I can only speak on behalf of my time at, at the Supporters Trust. It, it's very yeah. difficult to get people involved in the Supporters Trust when it's not a crisis. And that yeah. has and always will be uh, a bit of a problem. Um, but I, I just, just wanted to ask Keith uh, if, so obviously you know, used to used to be a, you know there'll be very few people who are kind of more passionate supporters of the trust than than I am. Um, I do have to say I was a bit surprised that the short turnaround in the vote three days seemed very mm-hmm. um, quick to, for people to get back. Uh, I appreciate that there was the deadline. To, to do that but I, I do think that more time could have been given if I'm if I'm perfectly honest to allow members to vote I, I, I agree James missed, it wasn't I actually, ideal I actually missed the deadline when I looked at the email on Friday I seemed oh right I'll have a bit of time to look at that and give it a proper think and then when I look back to do it on Monday found that I'd missed the, the deadline so I you know I, I will say I, I don't think the timing was was sufficient for, for, for something this that, that said I'm kind of a, a similar of the view that you know We've been waiting for this since 2006. To, to me, six months extra is, is you know, to, to to see what you know you guys can come up with. I'm genuinely interested to see what you come up with. Uh, I'm fine with that. I get other fans won't be, you know, that they're, they're sick of looking at that stand, and I get that. I do think there's been a. I do think that some of the reaction to the decision has been a very hysteric, you know, um, and un- unfortunately when. It's it's been very much trust versus club kind of set up into into camps almost, which I, it's never been that simple, and it's yeah. uh, it, it's such a complex issue. And I think to to take one side on it is is a kind of blinkered way of looking at it. There are elements, uh, you know, like you know, I think the, the land before stand thing is is a perfectly reasonable thing you know, to be concerned about. And I was just wondering, Keith, actually, you may not be in a position to, to, to answer this, but if the 
club came back and said, we will put it in writing that the land comes, sorry, that the stand comes before the land, would the trust potentially look at not invoking that ACV? Is that something that's been discussed as kind of a potential, you know, um, way out of this, in effect? Um, yes, it has been discussed. And I, and I think, I mean, really, look, we've, I guess, taking your point of the vote. No, it was it was far from ideal. You know, there are there are several areas where we've we've come in for criticism. And, and I think any any criticism has, absolutely has to be listened to. We probably could have given it more than three days. I think it was it was almost, you know, we'd better put this this out to vote. And then, of course, somebody with a full time job has to then sit down and, and put that information together. Um, and we we always need more help. And again, maybe I can use this as a bit of bit of an appeal. You know, if you don't agree with us, that doesn't matter. We often argue furiously at our meetings about things. Anybody who's been to one will will know that it's it's not a click. It's not everybody thinking all the same. So anybody who can help the click thing, be... the click thing always used to drive me up the wall. Well, I didn't because, know anybody um, who's on that board. Exactly. Carefully. Yeah, and it always <laughs> it always wound me up. I didn't uh, when I was on the board. I didn't spend any time with kind of no. you know, the people on the board at games or things like that. You know, it was no. very much you know business and yeah, it's you, you, like you say. You came in, Keith. You know, didn't know anyone, and you've you've kind of been a part of it. So it always wound me up that bit. I was just like, oh, we can't join. You know, our views won't get taken into account. The the you know the trust is set up in such a way that it can do that. You know, and I think people do yeah. forget that. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, we going back to your. Your, Keith, sorry, it, goes you... back to, it goes back to a couple of points. One, you know, um, a healthy trust is often indicative of a, of a healthy club. So if you don't think your trust is particularly healthy, you know, it's, it's going to have a link back to the way the club is organised. So back in, you know, our, what Brian Lomax and people like Deborah Marshall really fought hard for was, um, you know, two supporters reps on, on the club board which is seen as a gold standard of, of uh, support of governance. And we've gone from that to now we've gone from that to um, supporters trust, which um, was, how do I, how do I put this? You know, the, the, the lost its um, place on the board, which hasn't regained its place on the board under Calvin Thomas, despite Calvin Thomas saying that he's very interested in football governance and stuff. Um, you've now got a independent supporters uh, representative in Tom Cliff, who really can't, enact the will of the sports because there's no democratic framework beneath him and now you've got this other group organized it looks like by a supporter on facebook saying that they want to set up another supporters group so all these splintered groups keith can't can't be indicative of a, of a healthy situation well i think it summarizes when people say the trust doesn't represent me when we sit on the trust board and we all have very slightly different takes on on things I think the fact that you end up with, you know, is it is it the life of Brian where you've got the Judean people's front and the people's <laughs> front of Judea and all that? It's, you know, we've got a lot of people feeling things don't represent them. If you if you're not careful, every every fan will have their own organisation that exactly represents them. Yeah. Um, I'm all for people, you know, if people have a view and they have something in common, then there's obviously strength in numbers and and you can achieve a lot more. Yeah. I guess it's just what is what is the agenda? Um, yeah. You know, what do they? What do they stand for? We hope that we're we're pretty clear what we try to stand for. I'm still mindful I haven't answered James's question, and I don't want you to get complaints, Tom. Um, okay. Would do I think we would consider um, revoking that decision? I guess potentially yes, um, if there was a deal that did what what people have said, um, rather than just verbal assurance. I suppose maybe the the danger for things or the or the or the chance 
is the longer this goes on for and the more work we do, the more likelihood it is that we'll come up with something that's potentially, you know, involves a lot of people, involves community, local businesses, significant benefits, and maybe something which is even better than what the club has put forward. Well, actually, the club has only said that you can you can use some of that land for a car park and you need to sell the rest. So I guess if if people contribute ideas which are which are really inspirational, as time elapses, maybe maybe the willingness to revoke might disappear because we might see there's something that provides an even brighter future for the football club. But mm. certainly, you know, the, the nearer we are to the decision that we've made and the more work we've got in front of us to make it happen, then clearly, all, you know, it's 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 pretty basic. Please just do what you've said you'll do. And please just prove that you're going to do it. Mm. I think I think we'll move on because uh, yeah, yeah. I think we could probably talk for about two or three hours about it and um, and you know just go around the houses a little bit. But you've been quite succinct in in what what you're saying, and James has had some really good points. So I think um, that's probably enough for now. I'll just sort of end with you know Brian Lomax, who I think we'd all agree is probably a better man than all of us in terms of his involvement in football one of his you know last appeals to the fans before he suddenly passed was he just said via his daughter in a speech he said uh, support the trust and join it if you haven't already and you know I'm I, I'm gonna stick stick with those words and, and try and support the, the trust as, as much as I can because as we've alluded to that uh, further splits are just gonna, not gonna help anyone so um that's probably enough off the field stuff and enough to drag us down from our very positive start. Um, let's quickly end up with the final run-ins for each teams and our promotion run-in. Now, I was a bit wary of talking about promotion too much because especially when the likes of McWilliams and Koiki were injured, it just felt like we were running on empty a little bit. But now with them coming back and the results, I think you'd have to be a bit inhuman not to get a little bit excited by a promotion push. I know Brendan's just all in he's, he's he's up for it so um let's quickly go through the run-ins and we'll quickly have a little talk about it um so Northampton's run-in is as followed uh Leighton Orient on Saturday then we've got Exeter and Barrow Exeter's run-in and they've got a game in hand it's gonna be hard to catch but you never know uh Rochdale Barrow Cobblers and Port Vale so a bit of a mix there probably half decent half a bit easier uh Port Vale's running is Walsall Newport and Exeter so they've got they get harder as they go on Bristol Rovers run-in is Forest Green, that's difficult. Rochdale, slightly easier than Scunthorpe, about as easy as it gets, I would say. Uh, Sutton's run-in is Barrow, Crawley, they've got a game in hand as well. Bradford and Harrogate, quite a northern uh, tint to that one. And Tramway's run-in is Stevenage, Oldham and Orient, so they've got a tough one on the last one. And then Mansfield's run-in is Crawley, Stevenage, Salford, Forest Green. And then finally, Salford City, who I think James has been keeping an eye on for a while. Oldham, Mansfield and Stevenage. So, you know, every team has got a sort of a sort of a bit of a mixed running. Um, Brendan, how do you see Northampton's running? Because it does it does feel like we've got two two tough games coming up and then maybe a slightly easier one. Yeah, I I think this is other than the right at the beginning of the season, this is the the end of the season. This is the part of the season where I, you can't really call it. There isn't easy games, there isn't hard games. It's you never know, like the form, mm. the window, really, the old saying, I, I always think, because, it, yeah, you, you either have teams that have nothing to play for or, or everything to play for and, and they, they or they, the pressure gets to them. So I'm trying not to look too much at the the form or, or the guide or anything going into it. I'm just taking every game. The only thing I'm really interested in 
is um, looking at Exeter. I think it was. We've got a game in hand. Uh, they, they, we've obviously got to play them, and they've got to play Port Vale as well, who are the team in third. So a lot of people have been saying that it's you know we're in the battle for third. I think Exeter are very much still within reach. I think they they have to win all those games. If if they drop points, we could be looking at second place as well. I don't think that's that's out of reach. So you know as much as I'm looking down, I I I would just really like to avoid the stress of, of playoffs and Wembley this this year. We we've already done it enough. I'm. I just, I don't know, maybe people would say that's not very romantic. You know, you don't want a trip to Wembley, but I don't think my heart could take it at the moment. Not this time, <laughs> but we're getting married and everything else. So I've just got too much on my plate. So I, I'm i I'm still trying to look up, you know, I'm I'm looking at Exeter and Port Vale and trying not to look down. And look, we're, we're four points off second and four points off, off uh, eighth place. So there's no reason that we can't do that. Brady, if you're listening, um, Brendan's got too much in his plate, so can you not uh, get me the playoffs? <laughs> he needs to put me in the team talk for the next game. Like, lads, yeah, I'm getting married and Juno team. These playoffs are too close for that. I'm not going to drink from now until then. If you could just fucking win this one and get auto, it would really fucking help. <laughs> also, he's got a bad ankle and he doesn't want to climb up all those steps. Yeah, oh, fuck that, yeah. Get you in a wheelchair, don't worry. We'll get you there. Uh, James... The um, Mansfield are looming, you know, in the uh, playoffs if we get through. You know, you said you'd never go back there. <laughs> oh, no, don't even know. But thankfully, they're, they're, um, they've went from, you know, being on an incredible run of form. So they've lost three of the last four, I think. And I've just noticed, you know, Salford haven't won the last two and Newport. So it's really, really weird. You know, teams are just going through completely random runs of form, you know. Um Sutton looked out of it, and then all of a sudden, you know, four out of the last five, and the, you know, if they win, I think they do they go above us. It depends how much they win by on goal difference, I guess, because they go level on points. But um, you know, it's, it's just absolutely insane. There's, <laughs> there's, it's never been such a difficult league to predict as this. Um, mm. even Forest Green are doing their best, level best to kind of not go, you know, losing four nil to to Barrow was it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really strange, really strange league this year. Um, it could go either way. There's literally, no, I've got no idea where we're going to finish. Could uh, I put a question to, to you guys? I was thinking earlier today. If you if you could choose a team to have in the playoffs and at the final, mm-hmm. who who would you want? You know, you could say you want it based on, like, I don't know, height or spice. But if, you, if you're looking at, you know, like, they're, they're the two ones I'd rather us play. Who would it be? Oh, I, I, would, I just know I want. I do not want Bristol Rovers in any no. at all. I would go, go for Tranmere uh, yeah. as, as as I would want. I wouldn't want Sutton. I think Sutton are very organised, and I think we'd struggle to score against them. Mansfield are just a complete bogey side, and I never want to go there again. <laughs> I'd actually fancy us against Salford. Um, yeah, so I would probably uh, even Port Vale as well. Uh, and Exeter, we seem to have really good luck against Exeter a lot of the time. So if I, Exeter dropped down, I wouldn't mind them in the playoffs because we seem to have a bit of a, a kind of run over them, a bit like Mansfield have over us. So I would go Tranmere and Salford as the two I would want in the playoffs. I, I wouldn't want Bristol Rovers, but there's every possibility that 
we could use those uh, comments that Joey Barton made and properly tear into them just out of pure just anger and retribution. Just bad football, though. Like, even yeah. if it was, Don't I wouldn't enjoy it. Again, I wouldn't enjoy it. But they would definitely be the most satisfying team to beat, wouldn't they? What about you, um, Keith? It, I, I, we don't want to count our chickens, but it is a bit of fun. Uh, yeah. Who, who would you is. not want to play? Let's put it that way. Who would you not want to play? Next? Um, Bristol Rovers. It's men <laughs> yeah. against boys mentally. I mean, the, the shithousery is just different league, isn't it? It's a different level. <laughs> we're, we're not we're capable cursed of it. We're going to fucking get these guys um, now. I didn't know it's going to happen. <laughs> so I, I think not Bristol Rovers. I mean, it, it's a shame because I really like Exeter City as a club. I like the way it's run, etc. But, um, you know, and I can't really see them getting, I hope, I actually hope for them they don't get dragged into the playoffs. But, you know, we do seem to have a bit of a hex over them. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if it was them. And maybe Tranmere, maybe Tranmere. I mean, I've got a feeling Mansfield aren't going to, aren't going to make it. They're having a big wobble at the moment. Let's not count our chickens. I'm feeling a bit of apprehensive now. Yeah, we might have a big wobble. You know I mean? It's almost like the Bristol Rovers guy on the pitch when he said, yeah, we're going to Wembley. We, he never yeah. made it. Uh, bit different uh, doing it in front of the players, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We can play Bristol Rovers at Wembley at all, did we? Played yeah. them in the bloody uh, semi-final, Semi. didn't we? Played Grimsby, didn't we? Yeah, sorry. We did. I, w- I would um, like to add that I hope we're not in the playoffs anyway. I really hope. I think Port Vale are the ones to catch. As I say, yeah. I, think, I think Exeter are gone um, in a good way, gone up. But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, the playoffs are great when you win it, but it's it's two weeks of extra massive stress, and I'm not I'm not getting married um again. <laughs> but um, it's like I don't need it. I don't think I need it. <laughs> uh, let's have, let's just uh, end up with a quick score prediction going on the group for Leighton Orient. Is everyone going on Saturday? I think I think we all are. No, we? I was going to, oh. and then tickets were sold out. I was like, oh god, I wasn't expecting that. Um. Yeah, so no, I'm not going. I haven't got a ticket. So if anyone's listening and can give James a ticket, just please contact him on Twitter. So the club, this is a club legend we're talking about. Do you see that goal he scored for the Cobblers? Uh, <laughs> that is worth two tickets alone. So if you can sort a, sort a man out, yeah, just contact James. But James, you're still allowed to do a score prediction. Let's start with you. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 win, Cobblers. Okay, that's cool. I'm, I often listen to Brendan first because he's, he's quite a good, good <laughs> bellwether on this. What do you reckon, Brendan? All right, someone's telling me two one. I don't know. My um, my mystic Meg's telling me two one, but um, you know, form guide wouldn't say that. But I just said, don't don't look at form guides. I'm going two one. I think it's all the kebabs you've had in Hamburg. <laughs> you've gone into some sort of uh, mystic Meg state. Um, I am quite apprehensive about it because I've spoken to the Orient guy. Just that. I'm often apprehensive of a team that have got not much to play for, and sometimes they play with a little bit of freedom, whereas Cobblers might be a little bit um, nervous. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go 2-1 just to be positive, and uh, hopefully that turns out that way. Um, Keith, what do you reckon? I think if we play positively like we did uh, against Harrogate, then I think we've got enough to get past them. I, I think probably 2-1. Oh, cool. That seems to be the uh, consensus. I'm the only one that didn't go for 2-1. So, let's see. <laughs> I went for 1-0. We, we, clean sheet number 22, baby. Clean sheet number 22. It's going to be Labella after you slagged him off, James. It's, gonna be... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually ridiculous when you think about it. So, just to add this, like, was it the, did we get 26 clean sheets in that Coldwood promotion season? Wouldn't surprise me. It's quite dull. 26? Just yeah. thinking, we got more in that season than this one. That's Utterly ridiculous. 
Yeah, and it sort of points to his involvement, doesn't it? And his uh, he just he was a centre back for Tottenham and Scotland and stuff, so he's really got them uh, well drilled, hasn't he? So, well, hopefully another clean sheet on Saturday. Um, good to talk to you guys as usual. We've only got one more game. Let's see if we can meet up, um, you know, around that game. But um, take it easy, and we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Thanks a lot. Cheers, Have a good everyone, lads. Bye. Cheers, you too. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.